Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barcliffe, the pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad you've joined us in live streaming wherever you may be and wherever you are all over the world. We welcome you and we pray God's grace in your life and pray that God would speak to you today through the Word of God. We thank you that you are joining us today and these who have joined us here in the sanctuary, we are glad that you've joined us because it is a joy to be able to sit out here and to be able to share God's word. And I just believe God has something very special for us today as we share our lives and also share from the word of God. We always want to mention to you, if you need prayer requests, if you would go to lighthousefellowship.org, go on Facebook, make comments or questions that you have. We'll try to answer those. Uh, we're praying for people today uh, all over the world. We had a prayer time here just before we started our live streaming and all you can place those in. God hears prayer. And I know many people out there today are, are looking for hope and, and looking for answers. And we pray that you will find those answers today in Jesus and in that relationship that you have with uh, the Lord God Almighty. And so we welcome you today. So uh, without further ado, let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can come together in the name of Jesus. We bless you. We praise you. And we honor your name because you are worthy. We just sang it, Lord, that he is worthy of all praise, glory, honor, power, dominion, dear God. And we thank you and praise you. We pray, Lord, that we would just not speak things from our lips, but dear Lord, that you would work those things in our hearts by the power of your spirit. And that we would know you more intimately than we ever have before because we know, Lord, you came and you sent your only begotten son into the world to die for our sins that we may have that relationship with you. We know when the veil cracked in, in the temple, Jesus said it is finished, and we can go directly into the Holy of Holies, into that place with confidence, and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. And so we pray for those today that are watching, those who are here today, whatever the need may be. We ask you, Father, to meet them at the point of that need and ask that you would uh, just deliver us and, and save us and Lord, guide us on the path that you have for us because we know that path is life, life forevermore. We pray today, Father, today, bless those who are watching. If they need healing, we pray for healing for each one of you today. If you need just a, a touch from the Lord, maybe you need encouragement today because we know our God is the God of all encouragement. If yet they would be encouraged, Lord, each and every one today. Whatever the issue may be financially, if they are hurting because of the COVID situation without work, we ask you, Father, to supply their needs financially. We pray, Father, just touch them where they are this day and thank you that they've taken an opportunity to tune in and to listen to the Word of God. And so, Father, we bless you today and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 2, we're going to look at you must be born again. Conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus. You must be born again. Very interesting in the story when you begin to look at it uh, very closely. Some very, I believe, some wonderful um, ways that we can evangelize. And I'm going to talk to you about those today also. Nicodemus, powerful man in the Sanhedrin, had a lot of influence. Uh, probably a lot of money, probably was very rich and, and uh, very knowledgeable and so forth. So we'll begin actually in verse 23 of John, St. John, chapter 2, verse 23, and then we'll read following. 
Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at what my, my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert to the sun, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through, the, that through him the world might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. For whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Interesting story here about Nicodemus. And we look at Nicodemus is struggling He's trying, searching for truth. A lot of people we've talked about are searching for truth today. Nicodemus is looking for truth here. And, and Nicodemus is struggling to understand the kingdom of God and exactly what that is. And so when we look at this in chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, here while we're, he, Jesus was at, in Jerusalem at a Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs that he was doing and they believed in him. Many times miracles will draw people to the Jesus. Not all the time, but people will have a heads up and say there's something different about you. When we pray for people and we see people get healed, this gets people's attention. When the doctors have said that this is all we can do for you and we have a church or individuals or families, whatever, believing God and praying for healing and the person comes back in and, and they are healed and the doctor says, I have no explanation for this, that you were healed because we believe our God is our healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He uses many different ways, doesn't he? 
And so they were seeing the miraculous signs, and many of those believed at that time. But Jesus, it says here, did not entrust himself to man because he knew all men. He knows what's in man's heart. He knew that man's fickle, and, and man can't be trusted. And so he understood this, but we know that uh, people were looking to Jesus at this time because they were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting someone to come and deliver them from the hands of the Roman government and to set them free in that respect. Jesus is talking spiritually here. He's talking about a kingdom of God that obviously for eternal life that we go to. And then obviously when we accept Jesus and understand this more and we walk in that kingdom as we continue to do as Jesus has directed us. And so we see here it, a few days earlier that he had created quite a stir because remember when Jesus went into the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and so forth because they were uh, using, they were just obviously very, very disruptive, uh, disrespected of God's, hand, of God's house. And so Jesus was showing his authority at this particular time. And this happened before this particular uh, incident with an, an encounter with Nicodemus took place. And he had healed many people. Nicodemus had seen that he had delivered many people. And we see here in verse 23, it says that many people saw the miraculous signs and believed in Jesus here. And again, Jesus did not really believe in the people because he knew that obviously, remember when, when they were shouting out, Hosanna in the highest when Jesus came into town, remember? But it was just very shortly after that, they were saying, crucify him. Here they were exalting him as their king. And then right shortly after that, their hearts were fickle and their hearts turned on him and said, crucify him. And so Jesus knows what's in man's heart. And Jesus knows what's in your heart and my heart. He knows everything about us. The Bible says he knows every hair on our heads. And so he is here with us and he loves us and he, he, he propels us through life. He gives us the strength that we need to be able to go through life. And so one man that saw these miracles was Nicodemus. This story I know is familiar to you all. He saw, seen the power of God operating in Jesus' ministry and he had a certain level of faith when he came to Jesus. Think about it. He stepped out in faith. He came at dark, but don't condemn him for coming at dark. He had a position there as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a man of high moral. He was a Hebrew scholar, actually, and he was highly respected in the community. He was very knowledgeable of Scripture, and he was very orthodox in his belief. And obviously, uh, <clears throat> this is the kind of man that Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus, he thought it had all together. Because remember, he was of the lineage of Abraham. And the Jewish people felt like if you were the lineage of Abraham, that you were saved, that all was well, everything was okay. And that was from a naturalistic standpoint. And Jesus came to reveal the spiritual aspect of life. Sometimes we think, well, I was born in the Christian family, and so therefore I'm a Christian. And that's not true. It's a personal decision that you and I make. And no matter how well I was brought up in my family, I had to come to a place of recognizing that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And so, but Nicodemus is coming again. Remember, keep in mind, he's coming with a certain level of faith here as he approaches Jesus here. Remember, Jesus came to the socially outcast. He came to the beggars. He came to those. He came to, obviously, the woman caught in adultery. And remember Zacchaeus there? He was a swindler. He came to these people here and so forth. 
He's obviously, Nicodemus is not a leper. He's not any of these things. He's very well renowned in the Jewish community. Jesus comes to everybody. He comes to the rich. He comes to the poor. He comes to the down and outers. He comes to the up and outers, doesn't he? He comes to all people. He's recognizing, and he's no respecter of persons. He came to me, revealed himself to me. He drew me. It was nothing on my own, but he drew me. He drew you. And so Jesus is no respecter of persons. He, no matter how affluent you are, or whether or not you feel like that you haven't done anything in this life to make any, obviously, eternal difference and so forth, he still comes to you and me. You know, we look at the great politicians or we look at the people that hold a great influence in our culture today and we feel like, well, maybe, you know, when they, when they pass on and so forth, they'll be recognized as doing all these great things and so forth and all. And I'm not sure, obviously, about myself, none of these, but really, I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking for the fact that I want Jesus recognizing who he is. And he came to me, a, a lone sinner, someone sinful in my heart today. He came and revealed himself to me, revealed himself to you. Nicodemus was very, very affluent. But what did he say right off the bat? He didn't come and say, okay, I'm going to give you the steps to salvation. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus right off the bat? He said, you must be born again. You must be born again. Now, I'm sure that was a great confrontation to Nicodemus and his, so forth, his, his position and his status and so forth. But Jesus, obviously, I believe, just hit him right between the eyes. You must be born again. And certainly Jesus, obviously, would receive anyone, anybody. And here was a man of great prestige who was coming, wanting to know what the truth is. You know, the issue is really all of us have a deep need for God, don't we? We have a deep need for God. You know, at times we recognize that when everything's going well and everything's going smooth, it seems like that we don't recognize at that time. But, you know, in every person's heart, there is that God-shaped void there that only God can fill. And what happens is we get into a whole heap of trouble when we begin to, to fill that void with other things besides God. When we begin to look at the world and say its ways are better and so forth, and we get over there, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I've always used this thought, is the grass sometimes look, looks green on the other side of the fence, doesn't it? You know that old saying? And you get over there in that grass and you find out that, man, that grace, that grass will make me nauseous. That grass is not quite as good as what it appeared, right? And you come back and say, man, it's better over here. But it always looks greener on the other side of the fence, you see. But we see here Nicodemus, he's looking for. He, he, he comes and, you know, if this man needed it, since he, or obviously he was a Hebrew scholar, he was orthodox in his faith and all that in the Jewish faith, if this man needed it, certainly I do and you do also. Every person needs it. I must be born again. A miracle from God has to take place far beyond anything found in our own goodness. It's not in our goodness. It's not in what we've done. It's, it's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Obviously, it's essential preparation for an eternal life with the Holy God. We see in verses 3, verses 1 through 21 here, here, and the Lord emphasizes, I tell you the truth, you must be born again here. He's telling him, you know, and what he is saying here when he says, uh, truly, 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 or verily, verily, I say unto you, and what follows is something that Jesus is saying that is of supreme importance. In other words, pay attention here. We were just singing amen. 
amen actually means may it be as you have spoken. Amen. Amen, God. May it be as you have spoken. He says truly different words are used. You wonder what they mean. They all mean something. And he's saying, heads up, I'm getting ready to tell you something of, grave, of the gravest importance when he says this here. And the statement, obviously, when we think about this, that absolutely no one can enter into the kingdom of God. No one can enter in unless you're born again. And so the statement was not what Nicodemus expected to hear, was it, from Jesus, and we verse here. And so he had come to Jesus at night, but don't be too hard on him, obviously. He obviously could have lost a lot of things if people had seen him come to him during the day. And I believe that God is, has got his arms wide open, no matter whether or not we come to him out, you know, wherever we may be. It doesn't make any difference. God takes us where we are. Isn't that great good news? He, he receives us right where we are. It was sometimes in our, at the time when we're just really down in the dumps, when it looks like no hope, and then we look up, and then we realize our hope is in Jesus. He takes us right where we are at good news. And Nicodemus was coming to him at, at night, and the miracles had convinced him that Jesus was a man sent from God, as the Scripture, the Word of God says here. And so that level of faith was there. He began to step out in faith, but Jesus said, you must be born again. And so why does Jesus do that? I believe it was for Nicodemus' best interest. I believe he needed to be told immediately, you know. And visiting people with hospice, I've shared with you different stories where, you know, at various times I would share with them about salvation and who Jesus is and if they'd accepted Jesus into their life. And people obviously were terminally ill and so forth. And then there were some cases where I've just gone in and immediately God has given me the grace and, and the Spirit of the Lord has led me to say, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you invited Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior? And, and some of them over that period of time said, no, I haven't. And they received Jesus into their life. It wasn't any time to really get in and explain this and that. And in fact, I'll be honest with you, I still understand all these things, obviously. I have degrees, all these things. And my faith is in Jesus that he'll explain what he wants to me and he'll explain what he wants to you. And what is my responsibility? To believe, to trust him, to walk with him day, day in and day out. And so he says, you don't have a, I'm, I'm going to lay it out here, Nicodemus. I don't tell you bluntly. You'll try to argue religion with me. And Nicodemus says, you must be born again. Nicodemus heard that surely, obviously. But he goes on to say, Surely a man can't go back into his mother's womb again and be born again. And, and Jesus said, no, you don't understand. When he said you've got to be born of water and spirit, he's talking about first of the time. Many believe, theologians believe, the water there is the first time that a child is born when it comes out of its mother's womb. And then the other, the spiritual, uh, obviously, birth that takes place is when the Holy Spirit of God intercedes with our, our spirit and we're born again. Something has happened. That is a miracle. Isn't that a miracle? Is there something in our lives that's happened? Jesus said, you've got to be born of, of water and the Spirit. And so he's explaining these things to him. And, and, but many people, even like today, obviously, they're sincere seekers, but he's, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand these things. Because you see, again, for a Jew in that particular time of history, they felt like they were fine. If they were in the lineage of Abraham, they were obviously the son of Abraham. They were, they were going to heaven, everything and so forth. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to be born from above. 
You've got to be born spirit, reborn spiritually here. And Nicodemus, obviously, running question during this encounter was, remember what he said? How can this be? Have you ever said that? Have you ever really pondered about the fact how Jesus saved you? And you went, how can this be, Lord? You knew how, who I was. You knew all the mess in my life. You knew I was going in the opposite direction. How can this be, Lord? How can this be? Have you ever asked that question? If you think about your life and how God has brought you through many times the, the trials and tribulations, and many times probably you could really realize how he's protected you. You know, you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and you realize that you had the reflexes to stop in time or, or maybe you just see a miracle that God protected you. I've seen that in my life many times. And say, how can this be, God? How can you do this? And I know it's from above. I know God has obviously uh, saved me and so forth. Because, again, Nicodemus was, was used to all these external rituals. He has, the, obviously, the sacrificial system and so forth and, and all of the, the rules and regulations that you had to keep and all that. And he, you know, he was trying to do the best he could. Jesus comes along and says, you must be born again. Don't you know he was pondering? How can this be is what he says. And then in verses 5 and 6, he talks about, obviously, that he's, Jesus is saying about that birth in the spiritual realm. It happens uh, in one's innermost being. It is a quickening of a man's spirit. And he says, I tell you the truth here. Now hear this, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and of spirit here. Again, talking about being born there of their mother, but also the spiritual birth. But the spiritual rebirth, is a radical entrance into the family of God. That is radical, isn't it? Isn't it radical when you say we're saved? Can we remember that? We need to revisit that every now and then and, and kind of bring it back to mind of what happened to us when we saw we were going one way, we were going off the cliff, and then we turned and went the other way. And that is repentance. Do you remember that time? I remember. I was going the wrong way. You were going the wrong way. At that time, God just kind of, you know, turned you around. He, he didn't force me because it's, it's my choice, but he took me. He was there all the time, just like what we just studied in Sunday school about the prodigal son. The kingdom of God here, obviously, is a significant phrase in the scriptures here. Actually, it means the realm of God's rulership. It's the realm of God's rulership, actually, here. And I want to tell you today, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, no one, no matter how religious you are, no matter how pious you are, without this radical transformation in your spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Obviously, all your religion is in vain. You need to be reborn again. You need, obviously, redemption that comes from Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. And no amount of religion can save you, no matter what you are, whether you're Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Methodist, no amount of religion can save you. What saves you is being born again. Being born again. And it's very important that we understand this. Well, you've got to be translated there out of the rulership of darkness into kingdom of God's dear son. Because if you're not in the kingdom of God's dear son, you're under the rulership of the evil one. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. God loves you. And he's waiting there for you to turn and come to him but you're not in the rulership and kingdom of God's dear son. You're in darkness. And that's why people do certain things today. And, and they obviously, we talked about earlier today about they have no conscience. And we see that all over. It seems to me that that's increasing. 
You see, this is not a self-improvement program. It's not about being self-improvement, trying to get a little bit better. Because Jesus says here that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And we try to get a little bit better. And you go into different uh, bookstores and so forth, and most of them are closed down now, but if you ever did or maybe online, and you look under the heading of self-improvement, and you'll get all types. You'll get a lot of titles that will come up of self-improvement. You see, this is not about self-improvement. This is being about transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus Christ here. And so we see, obviously, it's very important. Nicodemus is confronted with this here. But what does it require? So simple. It's so simple, people miss it many times. All it simply means is that we open up to the spiritual activity of God and let God work the miracle in my heart and your heart. That's all it does. It's turn to God and say, you know what, I don't understand this. And neither did Nicodemus. You see, there are a lot of people try to understand salvation, try to understand all these things about the virgin birth and all this other stuff and all that. Nothing wrong with the theological stands and the explanation certainly here, but you'll never understand it all. God's too big. We need to believe him, trust him. You ask, how can this be? And he goes on to say, can you feel the breeze? Can you explain, fully explain the activity of the wind, the way it blows? No, I can't. That's what he's talking about. But you accept this reality. If you go outside and your hair gets mustered up, you believe, hey, the wind is blowing. Can you explain the wind? I can't, but I know my hair gets messed up. Maybe not my hair, but your hair. My hair never gets messed up. Amen. The activity of God in the new birth is like the activity of the wind. You don't understand it. And sometimes, again, people get touched you never knew. And you go, gosh, God's doing something in that person's life. Or God's doing something in my life. And all of a sudden, it just kind of creeps up on you. And God just touches you in a way. And you realize his presence. Have you been, and have you been touched by the Lord lately? He just wants to touch you. He wants you to know that he is alive. He's here with you. He's with you all the way. Various times kind of gives us a glimpse of that, doesn't he? He does that. You see here, it's a subtle point about intellectual pride. You know, Nicodemus is very proud here. But I want to warn you, Jesus is saying to him, don't reject something simply because you can't fully understand it. You can't fully grasp it. Don't reject it. Nicodemus is trying to, hey, give me a few moments here in this short dissertation about the rebirth here. Let me understand it here. Let me take my class at the feet of Jesus here. And he's trying to explain it. And Jesus said, you're not going to explain it in its fullest. He said, dude, you got to believe it. You know, our world says believe in a seeing. I want to tell you, in the kingdom of God, the actual means seeing or believing. Seeing is believing in the world. But in our world, in the spiritual world, it actually means believing is seeing. You believe first because faith, faith is involved. Many times we want to just see it. If I see it, I'll believe it, okay? Many things that you don't see, you believe, don't you? You turn the light switch on. You always obviously see it to begin with before you believe it. No, I just believe the light's going to come on. You turn the air conditioner on. You know how that works. And electricians do and, and HVAC people do and so forth. But I don't, okay? But I believe it and I hope it works. But I turn the switch on and then I see it, right? believing he had to believe first of all because he had to get past the intellectual pride and aren't we at that way today 
oh, these great theologians, there's nothing wrong with learning and obviously growing in that and the Word of God and so forth. We do that, right? But don't go to the bank on that. Go to the bank on Jesus, amen? Go to the bank on that relationship with Jesus Christ here. You think about it. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5 says this, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke and everything. The, the billions of galaxies, if we use that billions, it's probably more than that, trillions, of galaxies came into existence. He spoke there. In the beginning was the Word, and God Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there with him. They spoke, and it came into existence. Can you understand that? No, I can't. But I know it happened, don't you? I know God put the planets right exactly where he wanted. I know he placed the stars right where he wanted. I know he placed the sun and this old earth here to rotate around the sun exactly at the right distance. We don't burn up, we don't fry, and we don't freeze to death. It's done exactly under the ordination and God Almighty's hand. Hallelujah. Do I understand it? No. But I believe it. And I'll believe it and keep on believing it. No matter whether or not God never answers a prayer of mine, beyond this point today, and he does. But I will believe him, and I will stand with him. Why? It's because the one prayer that he, when I came to him and I said, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. He answered that prayer. I am born again. Hallelujah. How about you? That's the question. Because he said, you will not enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. It's the most crucial question. And he nailed Nicodemus by it right between the eyes when he said, are you born again? He didn't mess around saying, man, you've really served good here. You've learned a lot of the Hebrew language and you even did this translation, you did that. No, he nailed it. He said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. He said it right off the bat. And that's what he confronts you and me with. All these things. Well, you know, I, I've done this for God and I've sort of done kind of made up and you know, I, I did some things, but I believe that when I get to heaven, that somehow the, the, the scales there of the good things versus the bad, the good will outweigh the bad and so forth. And you stand before God trying to gain favor with God because of your works. And God said, it's all grace. And you must be born again. A lot of people don't like that. Oh. And I like salvation my way. You know, you talk about Obviously, coming to the Lord, we learned this morning, the prodigal son, you first of all got to take your shoes off, which actually is a symbol of the rights that we have. You got to give up everything. What that actually means is, what does it mean? I surrender. I give up. I give up. I can't save myself. I can't live this life that God calls me to live. I give up. And what does God do? He comes and puts his shoes on you. Those shoes of his rights and says, I live through you. I'll help you. A lot of people don't like that word surrender, do they? Oh, I don't want to give up. Because if not, if I give up, then God's going to send me to Africa. I just know it for sure. And that's always the thought. He's going to send me somewhere where I'm going to hate it, where the mosquitoes are and the heat is, and I don't have my air conditioning, and I can't do this or that or whatever it may be. We make all the excuses today. And, and Jesus said, you come to me. you got to come full surrender. You've got to give up to be able to come and receive what I have, you see. That's what was saying here, you know. And then he goes on to say here, he goes, how can this be? 
to ask that question in this sermon? How can this be? Obviously, it, it simply depends upon a receptivity to true testimony here. Obviously, it's essential here. How can you accept it if you don't fully comprehend it? You accept the true testimony of one who knows. The testimony of Jesus. You know why we testify in this church? Why we tell about what Jesus has done in my life and your life and why it's important that we just kind of linger in that? It's because those testimonies are so powerful it changes our lives. You never knew it, did you? What's God doing in your life? He's very active in my life. He's doing great things in my life. It doesn't make any difference whether or not I'm in a test time of testing or whatever. It's because I know my God obviously is working it out, making me more like Jesus no matter what the situation is, no matter what I'm facing and being confronted with in life. And my testimony, obviously, not because of who I am, because of Jesus. The testimony, he wouldn't even believe Jesus' testimony. And testimony is, is powerful here. Obviously, Jesus alone has a full knowledge of all these spiritual factors here. Obviously, he's saying here, he cannot even accept the witness of one who knows here. I'll tell you the truth here. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. Now, the problem is, but you still, you people don't accept our testimony. You don't accept the good news, but there some are. And there are people to listen to this today that if you accept the testimony of Jesus and you bow your heart right now, right where you are, and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he will come into your life. You may not understand it. And you may not have turned, tuned into this particular live stream for the first time. But you may feel a conviction on your heart right now by the power of God's Spirit. And you may bow your heart and ask Jesus to come in your life and receive eternal life and be born again. And to know what will happen to you when you leave this world and when you leave this life. It's very important here. Entrance into the kingdom of God does not require that we fully understand it, right? No, it doesn't. It does not mean that you have to be a theologian. It doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher. You know, God accepts us. We're all preachers anyway of the gospel, right? Here. How can this be? It's an act of obedience. An act of obedience through faith in Jesus. That's it. That's it. And many people turn away from it. And, and, and they walk away from it. Let me read to you in Numbers chapter 21, verses 6 through 7 here. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. It was a terrible situation. The people came to Moses and he said, we've sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Everybody know about this story? What happened? Did they just come and confess at that time? Well, of course they did. But what did he do? He, he had a pole. And remember, God put, uh, Moses put a uh, bronze snake up there on that pole. Remember the story, how it goes? And he said this. He said, everybody looks up at the snake, looks at the top, looks at the snake there, will be saved, will live. But everybody who did not look at the snake and did not lift their heads up to that pole, they died. Now, what, what is this all about? Well, we believe there's some symbolism in there with the cross, when Jesus hung on the cross. But we know there, the snakes at that time were killing people. And uh, they were the children and, and, you know, the parents and so forth. The snakes were doing that. And I don't like a snake to begin with, by the way. That's a side note. Just, I don't like snakes. Some people have no problems with them. That's good. But he put that bronze snake up there. Why did he do that? Why did God do that? Well, only God knows in his own heart. Obviously, he knows. But let me just suggest this to you. Obviously, it was symbolic of the cross. Look up to Jesus. 
look up to what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross at Calvary, rose from the grave there. But does anybody understand why he did that? Can anybody understand why he put that snake on the cross, on that pole like that and look up? I don't understand it. What I'm asking and what I'm saying here is just to get you to say, I don't understand that. But what happened? The people looked up and they lived. They looked up regardless of whether or not they, they understood it or they didn't. And they looked up and lived. But remember the ones that said, no, I'm not looking up there. I don't understand it. And they died spiritually. That's the way it is in our life today. Many things in life I don't understand. But I know that obviously my God is with me no matter what. And this is obviously an illustration of this. The other thing is God takes the initiative. For God so loved the world. I obviously, I wasn't seeking the Lord. I don't know about you. I wasn't seeking him. I had to do everything else. God had to draw me. God had to show himself to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send his, world, his son into the world, condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Obviously, amen. Initiated it. He initiated these things here. God sent Jesus into the world. Obviously, he made a way that we could be born again because if we had to somehow find our own way to be born again, we'd never make it. We would never make it. How can these things possible? Obviously, it requires that we make a moral choice. And we make choices every day, don't we? We make a choice of whether or not to follow God or whether or not to do our own thing. We make a choice, obviously, to, to seek the Lord with all our heart. You made a choice today to come to church. You, can't, you made a choice in this place to come to church. You walked out of that house. You got dressed. I thought about it. Cindy asked me yesterday, what, what time do you need to leave this, this morning? I said, 7.30. 7.30? Are you kidding me? 7.30? <laughs> the sun wasn't even up, Harley. I got up at 5.30. We come up and, you know, I'd get ready and all that stuff. But I said, I made a choice here. Sometimes, you know, you know, when you obviously you turn over in that bed, I want to tell you, when my alarm went off at 5.30, I was sleeping real good. I was, you know what, right before the alarm goes off, you feel like you're in a, a coma. And that alarm goes off, and it's just, I was like, wow. You want to lay there. Let's turn over. But you made a choice. You came. And you see, God has something special for you today. No matter, it's no matter how. Obviously, I, I obviously want to do the best uh, obviously providing the word of God to you and so forth, but it's about God speaking to you. It's about your growth in Christ today. It's all about him. And you've come saying, I want to I honor him. I want to hear the word of God. I want to sing praises to my king. And that's what you did. It's all about making a moral choice for God is what's happening. You see, Nicodemus could not really have been accused of lying and cheating. He could not have been uh, accused there of extortion or adultery here. What was Nicodemus' uh, problem? Anybody here? What was Nicodemus' problem? It wasn't the, the sins. Sin is sin, definitely. But what was his problem? His problem was unbelief. You see, the greatest sin is unbelief. We think sometimes these heinous crimes and so forth, and we see these, and they're horrible. But you see, today, no matter what it is, is that you can repent and come to the Lord. No matter. I want to tell, speak to this audience that's watching on this live stream today, that no matter what you've done in your life, and no matter how far you have gone down in that barrel of sin, God can bring you up 
because of what Jesus Christ has done. And He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will give you a life worth living. He will set your feet upon that security of knowing Jesus Christ if you'll just make that moral choice today. And I want to encourage all of you here, all of you watching today, if you want to make a decision today, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you feel like you've been, that you can always right now accept Jesus Christ into your heart no matter what it is. That is the offer today. That's the choice. Because Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He goes on and says in John chapter 3, he said if you believe, obviously he says in verse 18, the words, you're condemned already. People stand condemned already in their unbelief here. And it's our calling to tell the people about the good news. Your life and my life here. Obviously, he took my punishment. The great exchange is I gave him my sin. He gave me his salvation. It's called the great exchange. People down through the centuries have called it the great exchange. I gave him my sin. He gave me his salvation. Isn't that good news? You must be born again. Nicodemus was looking for truth. And I want to just mention to you today, too, many times, you know, when you're reaching out to people today, people need hope, and they need uh, people to come along beside them. They need people to listen to them. And you feel like, what do I say to this person? If you'll put yourself in that place, believing that God will use you, God will use you. Because remember, believing is, is seeing. You've got to step out in faith first. But what happens is we want to just sort of go back and pull back and not step out of the boat. We love our comfort zones, don't we? Nicodemus, although he came at night, he didn't went out in the main public. He came at night, but he came. And God's maybe talking to somebody here today or somebody watching this today is saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what, where to go. I, I feel like I'm not sure about all of this. Let me encourage you. Just step out and ask it, God. Just say, Lord, I want to know you. I, know, I want you to know that you just want to say, God, I want to know that you're real. I want to know that you love me. And I'm asking that you show me that. And I just believe God answers that prayer, don't you? I believe that God answers it. People need the Lord. This country needs the Lord. People today are in turmoil. And why they're in turmoil is because they're looking for truth. They're looking for truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. But what does it take? It takes a moral choice to say, I'm going to step out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. And I'm going to ask Jesus to come. And reveal himself. I'm going to step out of the boat and, and say, Jesus, I want you as my personal Lord and Savior. And I believe God will certainly respond, obviously, very, very quickly. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, today that you're doing great things. No matter what we see, all the chaos and, and the, the, the tumult and, and all that, Lord, we just know you're doing great things, and we thank you. We just pray, Father, you would draw people to yourself. We pray, Father, that people's hearts would be revived and awakened to your presence and your holiness.
We pray, Father, today in this church, in all churches, all churches, that churches would open back up again, that people would be safe and protected, dear Lord, but they would begin to worship together again as family and also as the body of Christ. We pray today, Father, to pour your spirit out across this land. You're our only answer, Jesus. We know that your, your word says that we must be born again, and we pray today that we would understand that no one enters into the kingdom of heaven unless we're born again. And that is receiving Christ, believing on Him, and being having that new birth in our spirit, man. We pray that today, Father. So bless these who are watching. Bless these who are, are here in this sanctuary. And we pray today that you would abide with us. And dear Lord, that you would convict us. And we pray, Father, that we would run into the arms of Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching today. We're glad you joined us. Amen. Have a great day.